Okay, welcome back to the Leadership Locker, which is brought to you by Rich Cardona Media, where we film your content, we distribute your content, we edit the content in between those, we do it all so that way you don't have to, so you don't have to think about it, you don't have the time to do it, we lock you in so that way you have content for weeks and we just make your life a lot easier by doing so and I'm a practitioner so I understand that's why I do it to take it all off your plate so you could have consistent great content we coach you through it we get your titles we research all the good stuff but why am I telling you all this uh, I should actually wrap up this is getting too long already Steve Bain helps me with my podcast team he's amazing and he's like hey you haven't introduced your guests. You haven't described the businesses they run. You haven't given any background on them. And I'm just like, fair point. So I'm going to do that right now. Kelsey Murphy is my guest. She is a dear friend, which is why you're going to notice this episode is cut up a little bit because friends can talk. Uh, she was a big exec and she used to have clients like Nintendo and I don't even know, but just really big clients. She worked out of San Francisco at a big agency and she was just doing incredible things. And she just decided one day, maybe I'm done with this. As many of us know, we kind of get sick and tired of whatever it is that we're doing. We seek out different outlets and her outlet was life and business coaching, which she has just scaled massively, not to mention her whiskey and work podcast. And she now works closely, very closely with Marie Forleo who's just obviously at the top of the food chain for a lot of people. So, of course, it was natural for me last time I was in California to interview Kelsey. And we did so right in her living room, fearlessly. And she is going to tell you a lot of what we should think about when it comes to career decisions. And look, it's just really heartfelt stuff. Here we go. Um, I am Kelsey Murphy, and we are here in Carlsbad, California. I am a business and life coach. Um, I do a lot of work with Marie Forleo. Um, I help people, entrepreneurs that are building and growing and scaling their business. Um, and my background is in advertising. Back in San Francisco, I worked uh, as the director for Nintendo and Elizabeth Arden. Um, and then I made the jump. And I've been doing this for quite a while now, and it's been amazing. I'm super lucky and humbled, and now I get to host an amazing podcast called yes. The Whiskey and Work Podcast, and it's great. So, okay. when I was feeling so uncomfortable in my hometown, like I was like, I did everything that I wanted to do. I had this business, basically, like that I could run, and I'm living with my mom, and I could move out, you know, at any point, and I was feeling so kind of trapped, and and so I threw all my stuff into a car one weekend and I drove up to San Francisco and I stayed on the couch with my best friend and was like, um, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm staying up here for a little while and I'm going to see if I can get a job up here. And she was, um, she was in art school and she was like, sure, like this is the best city in the whole world. And so I go to San Francisco and I immediately hate it, right? I'm like, you know, this small town girl that was like living with my mom in this very small town in Southern California. And then all of a sudden I'm in San Francisco and I'm like, I hate this place. Mm -hmm. um, and then I applied for tons of different jobs, just tons and tons of different jobs. Um, and I ended up with an assistant account manager job 
at this advertising agency. And I loved it from day one. I loved it. It was such a wonderful environment and fun and exciting and you know, all the things that you want when you're, you know, that young and getting your first job. Um, and I took it and those people there really loved me and they embraced me as family. Like I remember um, within the first like six months, I made a like major F up, like major, majorly cost them like a ton of money. I, I sent out something to the printer late at night for this huge project and it was going to cost them tens of thousands of dollars. and. I was devastated and embarrassed and it was like a big project they had kind of given me to run on my own late night. Mm -hmm. And I remember my boss calling me in the next day and like he just like looked at me and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, you know, I was fine, I wasn't crying, I was like, yes, like why? And he was like, because that's a lot, like what just happened to you? Are you all right? You know? And it was like the first question and it was... I mean, I feel like I've, I've taken that with me throughout my whole life, right? And who I work with, like, that's the first thing you, you do is you check in with people and you say, how are you? Like, are you okay? You know, and I was just like, after that, I was like, um, yeah, like, I'm okay. You know, I'm fine. And he was, and he was very much like, listen, like, what happened? Like, that's on us, too, just so you know. Like, this is, we are all part of this together. And I could have been there for you last night. I could have shown up. I could have done the late night hours. But you did it instead. And you did the best you could. Don't worry, we're going to fix it. Like, do you need to take the afternoon off, you know? And I was like, where am I? Like, he was so wonderful. And he just, he led our whole, whole team that way. Like, to this day, he's still there. And he's... Just like this incredible, incredible leader, right? So I learned from that. So I grew up in that kind of environment. Although I will say within like a year or two, I knew right away like this was not the job for me. Um, it was in advertising, so it was fun and exciting and I got to shoot commercials all over the place and meet celebrities and all these really cool things. Um, and yet, I think when you do all of these really cool things and you're kind of at feeling like you're hitting the height and you're still not happy, like maybe I was happy. I don't know that I felt that joyful fulfillment, you know, like just it's that uh, longing is yes. it's, it's, you're unquenched still. I completely yeah. I understand a thousand percent and you just wanted more. And I mean, I know you well, so I mean, I, I, I get it. But I think it's interesting that you started with that sounds like remarkable leadership to me. And I think I'm, I'm sure I could be just assuming, but as you went on, like it was not always like that. And it's just kind of like, Oh shit, you know, that's, that doesn't happen often. And okay. So, but, so you left and you wanted more and, and what, what, where did it take you next? Yeah. So I think the reason I stayed there for so long and didn't jump right after like two years, I think I stayed there for like seven years. Oh, wow. um, yeah. For a long time. Um, it's cause I didn't know what was next. Mm. Right. Like, and I feel like that just kind of holds us why back. Do, why do people do that? Um, I think that there's this like fear that you're going to be stranded on this Island of like, Oh shit, I made a mistake. And like, I can't get back. Like there's no lifeboat. Like there's no way for me to get back. And I just left this epic job. Like, shit and it's mm -hmm. and it's like you're in this pure fear of this almost like narrow-minded place that's all you can see um and when you can breathe and you can um you know you have like this octopus on your face mm -hmm. and when you can like pull it up and like have that perspective you're you realize i'm actually pretty resilient like i bet i could figure out how to get off that island mm -hmm. like I bet I could figure out what to do next. And as long as you don't leave a place and you're not a big jerk, I bet I could 
probably build a pretty good relationship with these folks and say, listen, this is something I really need to do for myself. I, I don't know what's next. You know, be very humble and honest. Like, I don't know what the next steps are. And I said that very much when I was leaving. I was like, I'm not sure what I want to do next, but I know I need to do it. I know I need, I will regret not going for it. And so when I left, I had no idea what I was going to do. And for the last year or two, and it's not like I hadn't been trying to figure it out. Like, you know, for the last year or two, I'd been exploring, like, dabbling, should I go back and get my MBA? You know, dabbling in, should I become a massage therapist? Like, I would, like, literally sit at, like, massage therapy orientations and be like, okay, like, I could do this. And then they'd be like, okay, so the first class is there's volunteers that come, and then all of a sudden I was like, I don't think I want like touching other people's bodies. Like, like I really like enjoyed massaging Colin, you know, like, and he has a bad back. And so I learned all about his anatomy and like took classes and was like, I'm pretty good at this, you know? And um, then I realized it's not something I want to do for eight hours a day with people I don't know. So, but I did everything. Like I sat in, I sat in orientations for things. I shadowed people. I remember I flew down, um, to my old high school because I thought maybe I would want to be a high school counselor. Mm-hmm. And so I sat and I shadowed my high school counselor. And w- what was funny is we were working with U2 and Bono up in at the agency. I was on a big project with them. And we were not supposed to have anything scheduled that day. Like nothing was going on. And as soon as I got on the airplane to fly down for my day off, um, they were like, hey, Bono wants to get on the phone. Like, And I was like, Sweet. So I'm about to sit with a bunch of high schoolers and write detention slips and I'm going to miss this call with like Bono. Like, does that, does that feel right? You know? And I remember I dialed in for the call. Right. And, and we had this conversation about our upcoming shoot and I got off the phone. And what was really interesting was I, I knew right away, like, okay, I definitely don't want to do, be a high school counselor. Like, that's not going to, like, do it for me, like, for many reasons, like, but that's not my calling. Um, but the excitement and, and the things that you should feel with, like, having a call with Bono and his whole team about your upcoming shoot, that also didn't do it for me either, yeah, you know? Like, so it was in that moment that I was like, you're on the right track you're doing the right things, but like your, these doors are closing. So you have to go look at the other open ones, you know? So, um, we talked about this in a conversation. Well, no, it was on your podcast recently about tubs, you know, and, and I, I, I use the metaphor ice cream or whatever, but, um, how important is it? Do you think for people to understand? And I know we see eye to eye on this, but to understand some of these things that are kind of calling your name and that are just out there uh, because a lot of people would would not do what you just did like go to a high school thing but you felt like you needed to check it out and you didn't know you were going to rule it out off the bat otherwise you never would have went but how important do you think that is for your own personal development and for your own leadership development um i think following your tugs and your curiosities um i think is like crucial for for life like for living and i feel like everybody wants to be more interesting and more exciting and more adventurous it's like you got that all in you right now like i'm not like a risk taker by any means i've always been very calculated like um but the tugs aren't things that are saying go quit your job and go jump off a cliff the tugs are saying like huh 
people that speak Spanish are really interesting. Like, what is that? Follow it. Like, does that mean you want to learn the language? Does that mean you want to know more about the culture? Does that mean you just like the way Spanish people look and speak? Mm -hmm. Who knows? Like, but go follow it because that's your, that's how you were built. That's your, everybody wants to follow their gut and their intuition. Like that is what is speaking to you right now. It's your whole self talking to you. And we get in this habit of shoving it to the side of saying like, no, that's silly. Like I have to do my work. Like, yeah, it'd be really cool to play an instrument, but that's stupid. Like I gotta, I gotta do the, pay the bills, you know? And it's like, yeah, you're trying to pay the bills to be happy. Like what's going to make you happy is following those tugs Mm -hmm. and you don't have to follow them by jumping off the cliff and being like, okay, I'm going to become a musician. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, no, for 15 minutes every single day, go and explore and watch a piano concert on YouTube for Mm -hmm. 15 minutes and see if that's intriguing or go watch a concert, you know, like for 15 minutes. And, and for me, I I went down that exact route. I was really intrigued with playing the piano. (laughs) Yeah. And it was right when my nephew was born and I had this vision of me like playing songs to my nephew. And I'm just like, how rad would that be if I was like, you know, like a little partridge family and then maybe I could get my husband to play saxophone and like, you know, these like crazy ideas that were like, okay, Like now I'm going to just pour a glass of wine and turn Deadwood on because like that's crazy town or you could explore it, you know? And for me, like I was in the middle of developing my like 30 day passion routine and it was all about for 30 days, you pick one thing that you might think might be your passion. doesn't have to be, but it's a curiosity, right? Something you're kind of curious about and you follow it for 30 days for 15 minutes. And I was just developing that and I was like, I'm going to test this piano thing out. And I did. And it was amazing. It was so cool. I learned so many songs. I just, you know, YouTube, you know, you just sit there. I got like a a free keyboard from someone because I started talking about it. Right. I started to be like, I don't know. I'm kind of curious about this. And people will be like, oh, that's weird. I have a keyboard that's collecting dust in my garage, you know, and that is when it starts happening. And then all of a sudden I would start playing. And I ended up when my nephew was about six weeks old, taking the keyboard to my my house and um, back in Laverne and I watched him for like two days a week. I would drive from San Diego. My sister had to go back to work really early uh-huh. and she was really sad about it. Yeah. So I would drive up from San Diego for two days a week into Laverne. It was like hour and a half. And I would sit there for two days and I would watch him. Um, and I got to go up there and play piano to him. And it was like the coolest thing in the whole world. It still to me is the coolest thing. Yeah. Like. And those are the things I feel like that make me happy and fulfilled and like joyful. And yes, my business is amazing. I love that. And I'm so glad that's what I spend the majority of my hours doing. But these little things that are, that are tugs, you know, that, that we need to follow. Like, I feel like those are the things that when you get to the end of your life, like you regret not doing. I am a hole poker, so I'm very skeptical of people. Like, I'm just, um, my husband will sit there and he'll, we'll brainstorm together and I'll be like, yeah, it's not going to work for reasons A, B, and C. And he's like, this isn't fun anymore. (laughs) Like, why? Why? Because I just poke holes in everything. That's what I do. So when I listen to people speak, um, I feel like I look at the difference between a really charismatic, great public speaker and someone who is either delivering a message that feels so connected to me and to my heart and feels so genuine. Um, 
I listened to the difference between those mm -hmm. things. And Leo is actually not the best speaker. Like when he got up there, he, he was very quiet. He was very, people would ask him questions. He wouldn't have flashy answers, but it just felt so genuine to me. Um, and those are the type of people I crave to be around. You know, when you're in advertising and, and even in our world right now, we get to be around some very fancy people, you know, that are making multi-million dollars and, um, and I feel like you get to choose who you want to be really connected and associated with, yes, right? Like that is the ultimate benefit. I don't what anyone says about entrepreneurship. You know the the sexiness and the liberating part and all this other stuff. It is so much harder than anyone could possibly imagine. But it's not quite as sexy. <laughs> that that aspect though is priceless and just yeah. kind of figuring out your tribe or your ecosystem, your squad, whatever you want to call it, is. It's crazy because you get to consciously say yay or nay, and you don't have to be there because you're not part of a firm or organization. And what you got to do eight, nine, ten hours a day with them. So, totally, yeah. I I couldn't agree more. I think that that's one of the biggest advantages, you know, to it. And also, I think it's also one of the toughest things, you know, that you. It, it's a lot of pressure to decide who you want to surround yourself with, mm -hmm. and it's a lot of effort to go after those people you know i think that's the other hard part is you finally decide and i the other thing with leo is i followed him for a really long time yes. so i had read his work i had i knew the way he raised his kids you know like i had done deep research same thing before i worked with marie forleo like i did so much research on her to be like is she legit like i don't want to know just how she runs her business like i want to know what she was like seven or eight years ago like i want to see that website from seven or eight years ago so i scoured the internet to find it you know Know, like I wanted to know what her relationship was like with her partner like and her stepson and mm -hmm. those things are really important to me so before I'm gonna engage with someone and and go after this relationship I really want to know that that they're the type of people that I would lay my heart on the line for that I would that I would fly out to see them in the middle of the night if they needed something like those are kind of the only relationships I want anymore you know so um, that doesn't stop with and business. I would know? tell you, like you don't. It's 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 not fathomable to have many of those. I right. mean, it's it's really, really difficult right. to to get that invested in someone and for that person to be equally invested in you. I, I, yeah. I, mean, I at least that's what I'm kind of finding. I'm just like, okay, there's there's very few, and, and the beginning flashes are very nice, and it's like, oh, cool, this person loves to collaborate, but that that's what it is in the end, just kind of collaborating. Not yeah. not I would do anything for Kelsey and Colin. Uh, it's, it's more just kind of like, yeah, team up with whoever, like, okay. Totally. Yes. And I think that, but I think that even with collaborating, like, I think you still get to choose the kind of people that you want to collaborate with, even if you're in different seasons of life and seasons of business where you can't equally collaborate. I think still choosing those people, like doing your research and making sure those are the right people that you want to, if at any point in five, six, seven years, be connected with at the dinner table, having wine with, talking about business things together. Like even if you're not in the same season, like pinpointing those people, like doing enough research, going and hearing them speak and saying, you are a person and I've continued to watch the way you handle highs and lows and I admire it and I would love to be part of it. Like, and just putting that person on your radar, like just like having those people on your radar to stay connected with them and then to learn who they're friends with. and 
be connected with those people. Eventually, that's how you're going to end up connected, you know, and working with those types of people, you know. I've never quite heard it put like that. Uh, like, like it's it's almost like you did, literally did homework, and I mean, but I mean, who would the people like that shows how much it, it matters, and and I think that kind of effort into those relationships is that's extraordinary to me. I mean, I've never done that. I've I've, I've followed interests and curiosities and be like, oh, I really like this and, and kind of tested it out. But that's that's on another level. So I'm not, I'm not completely surprised. Uh, but I completely got us off topic. So so traveling. So you guys yes. got to this place. And so we got to this place. We we're both doing our own like soul searching of like, what else do we love out there? And Colin got really into travel hacking. So he got really into reading the points guy and like all of these things. And he's like, we can get all these credit cards and we could fly business class to Australia. And I'm like, well, now you're speaking my language. Like, I did not want to stay in a hostel, but you're saying you can fly me business class? Like, tell me more, you know? <laughs> and so we sat, and for a while, he just learned about travel hacking, and he learned how we could fly business class, and we flew business class for an entire six months that we traveled everywhere. Um, and it was amazing and so fun. It was just such a fun interest and hobby. And then our friends started asking us about it. Like, how did you fly business class to Australia and then London and then Paris and then back home? Like, how did you do that everywhere and not spend any money and also not get your credit super effed up? Like, yeah. and Colin would start to write these novel emails to people being like, this is what I learned, oh, yeah, you know, like, right totally, yeah, right? I'm like, you basically started a, a passive online business Seriously. right there like but you didn't take it to the next level because we didn't even know really about that well let me ask this so uh, there's some people that are watching that might be like that's what we need honey and, you know and, and maybe they don't have kids yet or whatever yeah uh, which was the case uh, but like okay so where were your jobs for those six months Right, so we definitely saved up some money. <laughs> okay. we, we, yeah, we saved up money. We made this plan about a year in advance, and we had said awesome. the dream would be to buy a one-way ticket to Australia, um, travel for a while, and and then end up in Southern California because he had promised like we could test out Southern California for at least like a year or so. It's been five plus <laughs> now, um, and so we decided let's just um, plan to buy one-way tickets and. Like when you plan a year in advance, then you have some time to decide, like, do I want to go out to this fancy dinner or should we go to a fancy dinner in Australia? Like, okay, let's, you know, well, you know, so we, we started making more decisions like that and just kind of taking some squirrel nuts and putting them away and had some money saved up for this trip. And we initially said we were going to go for a couple months. And then we were like, what if we went for four months? What if we went for six months? You know, and then we were like, let's just see how much we can stretch our money. The goal would be like three months and then we ended up staying six, but we, yeah, bought a one-way ticket. We bought one-way ticket to Australia and then about six weeks later, we had bought a ticket to Dublin to go see um, Eric Clapton. So like we, they're kind of like bucket list items, right? Like I'd always wanted to go to Australia. He'd always wanted to see Eric Clapton. So we went to Dublin to see Eric Clapton, you know, like we were meeting, then we had a ticket over to Turkey because we were going to meet our best friends for like their 30th birthday and they were going to meet us there. And then we were going to take my mom to Paris, like things that we were like, these are things that like you can't do later on in life. Like when you have more responsibilities, which now I'm learning you can, you absolutely can. Sure. But we, we just wanted to check all the things off. So 
And so we did, and we went and we traveled and we used up our cash wisely. And then um, I, we went to London. So we went to, for about six weeks out to Australia and I'm still searching. I'm like, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? And Colin is a little bit more in the mindset of like, I didn't love my job, um, but I love my industry. So like, I think when I come back, like there's a very good chance I will just look for another job in my industry. So he was more like, just let's just travel and have fun. And I'm like, okay, every night reading a book on like massage therapy, like, no, not that one. Okay, you know, mm, should I do something on like life coaching? Mm, I don't know about that. You know, like I would read something all the time. I would be doing research as we were traveling. And then we got to London and I'd never been to London and I was so excited and Colin had been before and he's like, this is going to be one of your favorite cities. And it is hands down, yeah, yeah, yeah. but we got there and that night we'd probably went out to dinner and he was like, okay, this is what we're going to do for the next like four days. We're going to get on the red bus. We're going to go see everything. And that night I saw something online that was like this free personal and professional coaching seminar thing kind of in like a shady area of town. And I was like, um, I don't know why, like, but this is totally calling to me. I'm like, I really think I need to go check this out. And he was like, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> like, My insanely supportive husband was like, you've never been to London. Like, you're going to love it. It's literally, you love history. This is going to be one of your favorite places. Like, I don't know what this coaching thing is, but like, just come with me and let's go through with our plans. And I was like, I, I don't know why. I just have to go check it out. And so I did. So I went to this thing and I walked in and within like an hour, I will tell you, it was in a super weird area of town. It was a shady hotel, <laughs> was like really weird, like seats, like in a teeny tiny room. And within like an hour of what they were talking about, I was like, this is it. Like, wow. <laughs> I know this is it. Like, I don't know how, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't even know how I'm going to call myself a coach because it sounds so woo woo and nutty, but like what they're talking about, like this idea that like knowing who you are and your values and your beliefs and how that shows up and makes you a better person in the world and how you can connect and be empathetic and helpful. Like I was just like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to stay up late researching. This is what I want to give my blood, sweat and tears to learning how to do. Never was I want to do a business ever. It was just always like, I want to do this coaching thing, you know? And then that, that's when like I decided. I was listening to, I was watching a Facebook Live today and a gentleman uh, breaking down five or six ways to monetize off, you know, you know, subject matter expertise or something. One of it was teaching, one of it was consulting, mm -hmm. one of them was mentoring, yeah. um, you know, it's it just different. But coaching, he goes, coaching is the only one where you are invested in the person, not the result, right? Like not the, yes. you know, and, and not... Uh, cool, I, I get gratified because I teach something or a strategist, you know, says implement this and you'll be okay, but you don't stick around, right? right? Like, but a coach, you're invested. So how did you know that you would have the capacity and I get the excitement and the enthusiasm, but how did you know you'd have the capacity to be there for people like that? Um, it's a good question and I didn't know. <laughs> like, I don't think you ever know right away whether you're gonna, your strengths and your skills and your passions are all gonna line up until you test it out, right? Until you, until you kind of like dip your toe in the water. And I remember even in that, that it was like a two day seminar, I would sit with people and you do kind of mock coaching. I was not good. Like I was not good at what I was doing. Um, but I knew I cared about it. Like I knew I was excited about it. And I think deep down I always knew that 
um, I, I wanted to be a helper, you know, and I had, I had looked into becoming a marriage and family therapist and I really had wanted to do that. Like before I, the coaching thing, before the coaching yeah. thing. Yeah. And I had worked with, um, a therapist and a coach in San Francisco and loved him. And he taught me so many things. And I thought, ah, oh, I want to be a therapist like him. I want to help the way that he's helped and changed my life. If I could do that, that would be amazing. Um, but then I looked into being a marriage and family therapist. I sat down, I interviewed a ton of marriage and family therapists, like, and I got a lot of negative reviews. A lot of people that were saying like, oh, it's so litigious and you have to follow so many rules and you can only do so many things and you have to go through so much schooling and then you have the debt and this is what the life cycle looks like. And I was like, there's gotta be a better way than that. So when this coaching thing happened, I was actually sitting in the room next to a lot of psychologists and marriage and family, family therapists, and they were learning to be coaches for that exact reason. Got they were like, we want more freedom. We want to be doing things and having conversations in ways that we're really excited about, not kind of like following this, this other rules. And they also, I, I think, wanted to work in more of a problem-solving, solutions-based environment, where I think a lot of therapy, what's beautiful about therapy is that you can go deep, right? And you can uncover so many things and the skills of therapists are just incredible. Um, but um, coaching is very solution oriented, right? So you can go deep with people, but then you can help them to figure out what their next step is for them, you know? So a long way to a ham sandwich. I didn't know I was good at it, you know? I just knew that it was something that I loved so much and that I had to give, I had to give it a shot, you know? Okay. I hate to fast forward, but we've been talking a lot. But so you started a coaching business, but then you also started a movement, which became a podcast. Tell me about that. So whiskey and work was built from the floor of this living room. <laughs> um, it was, you know, when I first started coaching, I loved the idea of it. I wanted to be a coach. I envisioned just having the freedom and my one-on-one -on -one clients eventually increasing my rates and kind of having the flexibility. And I did all my calls from the phone. So I was like, you have location independence, you have flexibility over your own schedule. Um, but then I started to get booked. You know, I, I started after a while, after hustling quite a bit, but then my my roster started to get booked up and I was like, well, what's next? Like, And that's when I started looking into like more of passive income and more of group coaching and masterminds and courses. And, um, and I was talking with my little sister at the time and I was like, yeah, but the things that I do, like I don't really know yet how to put them in a course. Like I don't know what the tangible outcome is. I just know I like to have conversations with women about, these deep rooted things that we're going through about um, how we feel highly emotional and how that's showing up in our work and our career and our relationships and the difference between like managing and tolerating that and like embracing and celebrating that, you know, and what that means for our finances and, and how that shows up in all these different ways. Um, and I, I wanted to have these conversations that I didn't feel like fit into any box really, you know? Um, so a little bit of like goal setting, you know, a little bit of following your passion and like scheduling it, you know, like, so it was a little bit of science in the way that our habits work and our brain works. And, um, and then also a little bit of like emotions, you know, and like talking about who we are 
and what we really want and how our past has, you know, like shown up and guided us into one area or direction and whether that's where we really want to keep going and mm -hmm. what it looks like to pivot and, and how does that feel and what does it look like to the rest of the world and what does it mean for your partner and just have all these conversations and I was talking to my little sister sitting here on the living room floor and I'm like, I just don't know that anyone's gonna wanna have those conversations. Like I've got these epic clients, but like you don't have to have a ton of clients to have a booked roster, right? You only have so many hours in the week. So I'm like, yeah, I have like these 20, 25 clients, but I don't know that other people wanna have this conversation. And I was, she was like, well, let's like start a Facebook group and let's see if anybody wants to be part of it. So like I wrote like a little description that was like, a group for people that care about the same shit. And it was like, uh, like purpose, motivation, like love and like showing up in the world as a better person or, you know, it was something just like, it was all over the map, but it was like, these are the things that like I randomly want to talk about. And we couldn't think of a name for it. And I was like, we were going to go have whiskey that night. Okay. And um, we were t I wanted it to be somewhat work related. Um, and so we, you know, she threw out the name. I think it was like Beyonce, Booze and Babies or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, that's going to be a no. But like, how about whiskey and work? And she was like, perfect. Like, let's just throw it out there. And it was, I'm not a throw it out there kind of gal, yeah. like at all. Like, I'm yeah. super... Like it takes me forever to get things going. Um, and this was one of those things that I threw out there. And I actually heard, I think it, um, I heard someone recently say, I'll have to figure out who it was. Someone recently said like some of all of their best moments in their career and in their business and their life were things that they did by the seat of their pants. Yeah. Like, you know, and I just don't operate that way. So it's funny though, because that was one of the best decisions and I threw it out there and I just kind of sent it to, you know, just our little group of like maybe like two or 300 people. And like within hours, like every single person had joined and was like introducing themselves and so excited. And these were people that were in all sorts of different industries, like dentists and like, you know, people that worked in marketing and people that worked at banks and like people that were stay at home moms. and. And I realized in that moment, like, wow, like you don't have to have this perfectly put together idea if you're just really honest. Like, these are the things that I care about. Do other people want to have conversations about them? I'll help facilitate it. You need a lot of people that are like, yes, like that sounds great. Like, you know, so um, that's how it was born. And it grew into this little Facebook group. And, um, and then I just started having more and more conversations with people and clients who were, who were telling me like, you, can I record our calls? Can I share my, our calls with my best friend? You know, like what you just told me, I wrote an article about like, and um, they just started saying like, you should really put this in something like you should write a book or you should do videos or you should, you know, write more articles and, and things like that. And I had always wanted to produce some more content um, and I'm really bad at it. Like it takes me a long time to produce content. Like I, like I said, I'm not a throw it against the wall kind of person. Yeah. So it would take me hours to write an article, like hours and hours and hours for the first draft of an article, oh. you know, like just forever. And then um, videos like was the worst. Like I was terrible on video. Like I just didn't enjoy it. Like, um, and so I remember one day I was introduced to someone to be a guest on a podcast and they interviewed me and I spoke on the podcast and it was super fun and comfortable. And at the very end, they said, you should have your own podcast. Yeah. Like this is, this is your zone. And I was like, really? Cause that felt so fun. And they were like, that's it. That's how it should feel. 
you should go out and do one. And then I started putting it together and I doing it. it. Um, before I ask you to tell us where we could find you, uh, the name of this, I rebranded, uh, so this is now called the Leadership Locker. Mm. And uh, what it is, is, you know, sharing leadership stories from today's influencers, uh, which you are. And the leadership story that I'm looking for, or something, is a mistake that you made in, in the beginning of, you know, having people under your charge, or maybe it was when you were a coach. Uh, what is something that, you know, you look at and you're like, I could have done that better, you know, um, and, and that, you know, other people are going to have to quickly realize, like, a lot more people make that mistake than you think, if any. Mm. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> I'm like racking my brain for which one. Um, hmm. Um, and I could probably give you two, one like in the corporate world and one in Perfect. like the business world. Um, in the corporate world, definitely the mistake that I made, um, there was many small mistakes that led to this big overarching mistake of um, getting into a really bad habit of um, not showing up as my best. You know, because I knew I wasn't in a job that I loved anymore. I knew there was something else, but I was making the conscious choice to stay. And I feel like when you make the conscious choice to stay, like my personality is I want to give it my all. I want to be all in. Um, and I wasn't, you know, because I was one foot out the door for a while. And um, that was such a regret for me, like such a regret so much. It weighed so heavily on my conscience. And, and everybody that I went back and talked to about it, because after I left, it bothered me so much that about a year or two after I left, I went back and um, my friend calls this my I'm sorry tour. <laughs> and I went back and I sat down and I had like breakfast or lunch with each person that I worked with, like that I worked closely with. And I sat down and basically apologized to them for the last year of kind of like working together and just saying like, I wasn't my best. And I know that probably showed up and I know it probably showed up in the way that um, I was managing you and I know it showed up or it showed up in the way that I was showing up for you and, and almost every single person was like, well, you're crazy. Like you were great. Like you were awesome. You know, they were you wonderful. Knew were. I knew I wasn't I and I, I felt it. horrible about it. And I just, in <laughs> hindsight, wish that I had either made the decision to leave earlier or I had given myself kind of some guardrails for like, this is how you're going to show up in a way you're proud of. doesn't mean you have to stay till midnight, you know, doesn't mean you have to do all the things that you were maybe doing the years before, but like give yourself a couple guardrails that say, this is how I'm going to sleep better at night. This is how I'm going to leave this job in one year and feel like, you know what, I did a really great job and I feel really proud of the way that I showed up. So it's probably my big regret yeah. with um, the corporate world. Okay. Um, when it comes to my business, my, my regret, and I still regret these things today, is, is waiting. Like, is every single time I wait to do something, um, I, I regret it. Why do you wait? Um, I would like to say it's because um, I'm a perfectionist and I want everything to be perfect. But I think deep rooted in, in that is fear, right? Is like fear that I'm going to get rejected, fear that someone is going to... So it, my podcast is a great example. Like I thought about doing this for years, like years and years and years. And finally, like I got this DM in my Instagram from Amy Porterfield and she had said, Kelsey, you need to launch that thing in 60 days. <laughs> and it was like, that was the tipping edge. You know, that was the point for me where I was like, 
okay, like it's gonna happen. Like, um, but before that, I had had tons of people telling me that I should be doing a podcast. Like, and I just waited and waited and waited. I think for fear and. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what I would talk about. I sound like a 12 year old. I ramble a lot. And not that any of those things aren't true, but I think that we forget we have value just as we are yeah. for so many people out there. Like there's still a lot of people we don't have value for that we will eventually probably grow into as we become more skilled and have more experience. But at this moment right now, I believe everyone out there has so much value that they can give. And it's like we wait till we have like a certain amount of value or a certain amount of polish till we put ourselves out there. And then every time we do it, every single person regrets it. Every person's like, oh my gosh, why didn't I just start that a little bit earlier? So I think, uh, I think the fear thing is very real. And, and what I mean is when you take a big step into presenting something that you feel like you could add value to other people or business or whatever, the fear is who am I? To who am I? Totally. To this, right? Totally. But, and I forget who it was recently, but like, who are you to deny people the value that you can mm -hmm. help them? So even if four out of the five people in this room or mastermind or whatever it is are just like, yeah, like, okay, like, sure, heard it. But that one person, that's a huge difference. And I know you know that, you know, it's, you'd rather have, a thousand strong followers and a million so-so ones. 100%. Yeah, <laughs> so, totally. Um, so then tell us, please, where we can find you and track you and all that good stuff so we can continue to follow you on your journey. Yes, of course. You can find me at KelseyMurphy.com. Um, you can also go on any place you can find a podcast, mm -hmm. and you can find us at the Whiskey and Work Podcast. Nice. Um, and then you can often see me and my little girl McKenna running around on Instagram at Kelsey Murphy.